church, guys. Last Sunday, as the guys just said, we had our Vision Sunday as a church, um, where we pretty much every, every year at this sort of time, we talk about where do we think God is taking us next as a church family. And I shared a message called, I'm just going to move myself, otherwise I will get prodded by the microphone stand. Um, I shared a message called Strengthen and Stretch from Isaiah chapter 54, where we, uh, we spoke about how God has been and I think continues and wants to continue to enlarge the place of our tent and stretch out the curtains of our habitation. How he doesn't just want, I don't think, to make us bigger and add to, to us more and more as we are. I do, do think he wants to do that. But he is looking to spread us abroad to the right and the left across Manchester, looking to move us into new territory. And we can get a lot of confidence and faith in all that God has been doing in us, particularly over the last four or five months as he's grown us and how he's stretched, uh, strengthened us as well. And how I think he is looking to us now to join with him and to play our part as individuals and together as a family in strengthening our stakes in this tent imagery that we would continue over the next year to provide the structure as we work alongside God to allow him to continue this stretching work. And we looked at two very practical ways, as Matt um, referenced there, even though he wasn't there last Sunday. Uh, a very practical way we can do that is by committing to being part of a home group and, um, and being part of that and, and joining in in our family life together. But secondly, we looked at how we can look to strengthen our core by taking up an offering um, to make sure that we have the resources as a church family to be able to increase our capacity and expand things behind the scenes, but also to step into the ground that God is laying ahead for us as we go forward. And so today and the next two Sundays are an opportunity to give um, to this offering. So there's three opportunities. And to help us get in the mind space for it and prepare to give. And even just to think, how on earth do you approach something like an offering? This might be your first ever church offering um, that, you've, that you've even been aware of then uh, I thought it would be helpful just to speak into what does it look like to give as Christians um, over this Sunday and next. And so at the end of today's meeting, we'll have an opportunity to give. You might have found the booklets on your seats. I'll talk about those towards the end. Uh, we'll be filling in our booklets um, if you want to, uh, filling in what you want to give, and then we'll have an opportunity to collect it as we sing a song at the end. And today what I want to look at in particular is how giving is something that is for us never an obligation, never something that is forced upon us, but actually God wants to work within each of us to give us faith to give. And that's what we're calling today's message, faith to give. And in the passage we're going to look at today, we join the people of God, the nation of Israel, at a critical point in their story. We're going to be looking in the book of Exodus. And after the Exodus that the book is named after, after the, the people have been freed from Egypt and slavery there, they've come to this place called Mount Sinai where they've been formed as a nation and they've been given the Ten Commandments by God that you might have heard of before. And they're about to journey f through the wilderness to this place called the Promised Land, their, their home territory where God is leading them. But before they set out, God wants to equip them for this journey. And he wants to equip them by them building a tent. But not just any tent. He wants to build them or them to build a tabernacle. 
Now, this is a major deal. This is the first building project that God is doing to create for himself a home on earth among his people. Not just any tent. One of the scholars calls it a piece of heaven on earth that these people were to do. This is a project of immense significance. And in order to build it, he asks his people and asks Moses to take up an offering. So we're going to join it in verse 4 of chapter 36 of Exodus. So if you do have a Bible, um, it's always good to, to read along, so do turn there. But if you don't, the words will appear just like they have there on the screen. So from verse 4, sorry, chapter 35, we're going to begin in. We will make it to chapter 36, but we're not going to read the whole lot, don't worry. Verse 4 of chapter 35. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins and goatskins, acacia wood, oil for the lights, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Now, if you were God, and given the importance of this project, of the significance of it, and given how, if you look in the book of Exodus, if you're familiar with it, you know that there is a very specific list of materials required, it, required and the way in which they're, they're supposed to be used in order to, f- uh, to create this tabernacle and the furnishings that go with it. If you were God, how would you go about gathering the materials for this. Remember, you are God in this thought experiment only. That is not our theological position. (laughs) You are God. You could just speak and things would appear right in front of you. That if you needed to create something, you just speak. Surely for the building of this tabernacle, this thing that is so important to God, the most logical thing, the most straightforward thing for sure would just be, I'm just going to speak these things into existence, and then we could just get on with building it, and they'd be off they'd go. But instead, he says, let's take up a contribution, or if you're reading from the NIV, take up an offering. These are the very beginning days of the people of God. These are their scrappy, formative years as a people. And yet here, as God starts to look to move them forward and to do something significant amongst them and take them into the next step, this is how he does it. He asks them to give. He could do it all himself, but he asks his people, would you give? Here, through then the whole timeline of Scripture, right up to the end, to the chronological end point where Paul is at the, at the end of his life. What do we find him doing? He, we find him taking up collections and offerings from churches. It's just right through Scripture. This is not a modern church invention. This is rhythm, it's pattern that God has given his people right through their story, to move us along, he invites us to give. And what he asks for from these people here is costly. 
He's not just asking, oh, if you've got any odds and ends knocking around, then maybe you could like give those. Anything you're not using, any spare parts around, you know, have a little dig behind the back of the sofa, see what might be there. If you've got young children, you definitely don't want to be doing that. Who knows what you'll find. No, no, he says, I want gold, I want silver, I want purple thread, I want acacia wood. Don't really know what that is, but it sounds fancy. Oils, spices. He's asking them for the very best that they had. God is not holding back here from inviting them to give the very best treasures that they had. This is genuinely the equivalent of God saying to us, could I have your iPhone? Could I have your car? This is what he's saying. Asking them to sacrificially give their very best. But... He is only asking them to give what he has already given them. If we were to go back to chapter 12, we won't turn there just for the sake of time, but we see that as in the moment when God is liberating them from the people from the from Egypt and from slavery, as he's leading them out and taking them on, he it says the Lord grants favor to the people. That as they are leaving their slavery, the Egyptian people just start giving them their gold and their silver and all of their fine stuff. That they are rich because the Lord moved in the hearts of the Egyptian people to give to his people. That as they left slavery, as they set off into this new freedom they were going to have, they were made rich just so they would know this God isn't just a God of freedom, but he's a God of abundance. He's a God of generosity and that he is always going to provide for them. And now... He's saying, out of that extraordinary richness that I have given you and the abundance that you now have, here's an opportunity for you to give back. And you know, it's exactly the same for us. I think this is such a hard truth for us to internalize and actually believe that we have to keep reminding ourselves that anything that we have, any richness, any goods that we have, anything we own only comes from God. That as Moses himself, sorry, God said to Moses on Mount Sinai, all the earth is mine. All of the riches, all of the spices, all of the money, all of the Bitcoin, they are all his. Anything that we have got is a gift from him. I think none of us intuitively believe this Well, we certainly wouldn't if we didn't have the revelation of Scripture, because it just doesn't seem obvious to us, does it? We think, think, oh, I've got this house because I got it as inheritance from somebody. Or I have all of my savings because I worked hard for it. Or I have this extra bit on the side because I set up a business, it's going very well, I was strategic. That's why I've got it. The source of our possessions and our wealth, they never seem to be God. And so it's so much easier for us to believe, these are mine. I deserve to have them. I've earned them. And our fist just closes a little bit more around them. We just think, why should I give? But as we choose to believe, as we do internalize this truth and see, actually, everything I've got is from God. I think, firstly, it helps us to be grateful and in thanksgiving for all that we have. 
But also, when the topic of giving like this comes up, we're not looking for the nearest exit because we actually start to think, well, maybe I do actually want to give. I've got a desire to give back. And it is desire for giving that is the real heart of this story. That as chapter 35 continues, Moses starts to give a rundown of exactly what it is that he is looking uh, to build and the details of it. And so we'll skip a little bit, but pick it up again at uh, verse 20. Now, this is a little bit of a long bit, but I think it's worth it for what is contained within. So from verse 20, we will read. Then all of the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, came back. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze through it uh, brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every, every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, the spices and the oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. The people of God responded. These most precious things that they had, these riches, they just came and gave them up. Just gave them. Think, why? Why on earth did they give? Well, we see it right at the beginning. Perhaps we can show the next slide. Just the beginning of verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him. And then as you continue, maybe you picked it up as we read, all who had a willing heart, all women whose hearts stirred them, all the men and the women whose heart moved them. And then just for good measure at the end, they brought it as a free will offering to the, to the Lord. I wonder if you get the feeling that the author, Moses, is trying to tell us something at this point. That as they take up this offering, there is absolutely no requirement at all for them to give. It is completely down to whether their hearts have been stirred, whether their spirit has been moved. Completely an offering of free will. That if they wanted to give, great. But if they didn't want to give, that's fine too. Big Dave over there could have more acacia wood than he could ever need in his whole life. Piles and piles and piles of the stuff that everyone could be looking at and thinking, surely we're going to need all of that to build the tabernacle. But if he didn't want to give it, it was completely up to him whether he joined in on this offering or not. Completely up to him. 
Once again, in these early days of God's people, he is laying this foundation stone in them of this is what it looks like to give of your money and your wealth towards me. That my people do not have to give a thing. They do not have to give. It's, I think this is the most important thing for us to try and get hold of as we look to embark on taking this offering as we step out in faith in this offering, this is of importance to us, and we are trusting in God to provide, it is so important that we are clear on this truth, that none of us have to give. None of us have to give. Not a thing. There is no obligation, there is no compulsion, no requirement, to give. Whether you give is completely up to you. It's not a requirement to be part of this church. It's not a kind of secret Revelation Church membership fee that we're sort of slipping in there subtly. It's not required to be part of, to be a Christian. It's not like a Christian tax by stealth that sort of, you you don't have to give, but really you should give. You do not have to give. We do not require it. And most important, the thing we need to know is that God does not require it of you. Whether you give or not has no impact whatsoever on how deeply loved, adored, part of his plans, provided for you are by God. We do not buy our way into the favor of God. We do not give in order to receive. We do not bring our offering in order to grow in our gifting or to see some breakthrough in our life. We don't give in order to receive extra blessing into our life from God. Whether we give or not, God will never hold back from us because he has already given us everything. This is the scandalous beauty of the Christian life. That at the cross of Calvary, the grace of God was opened up. The floodgates of his goodness and his abundance was opened to us that we would receive all. I love that line in that song that we sang. Heaven has nothing more to give because we have received it all in Christ Jesus that we can experience the abundance and the generosity and the goodness of God unconditionally. Unconditionally. You know, that's one of the best words in the English language. Unconditionally. Completely independent of our behavior, our performance, what we do, whether we give or not, we receive everything in Christ Jesus. We cannot miss out or lack Because the moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we step into his grace, we find ourselves in Christ, we receive access to all of the riches of Christ in that moment. There is no amount we can give, no amount we can offer, no amount we can bring to get any more because there is no more for us to get. It is all found in him in that moment. We don't give our way into any more. He has given us everything, so we don't have to give a thing. I've told this story before, but it's a good one, so I will tell it again. But we, uh, when we were, some of us were back in Nottingham, uh, we were taking up an offering, and it was a big offering. It was an offering where we were trying to buy a building 
in the city centre, and it was an expensive building, and essentially every factor in this offering was against us. It was like, there's no chance we're going to be able to raise enough money. There's no chance that the, we're going to be able to get the money in the time that we need it to. And then once we do get an offering and get it all together, there's almost no chance that we're going to be able to be the winning bid in this highly contested building right in the city center. And on the eve of the offering, we all gathered together as a church. It all happened fairly quickly. And so this is basically our one shot to give to raise as much money as we possibly can across the church. You think there's urgency, there's like, this is an opportunity for us. And on this eve of the offering, Nick, who was leading the church at the time, got us all as a church, so a couple of hundred people in the room, chanting. And he got, which sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Church leader got us chanting. But he got us chanting, we don't have to give a thing. We don't have to give a thing. We don't have to give a thing. Now, I'm not going to get you chanting, but despite the opportunity, despite the urgency, it was so important. We got this in our spirits and deep in our souls that we know we do not have to give. We are completely free. And it is up to us whether we join in or not. This has to be where we start. This has to be our foundation if this is the first time you've ever heard anybody speak about giving, you can cotton wool your ears now if you want and just be like, I'm going to take that home with me. Like, I don't have to give anything to this offering. This is not a whip round. This is not let's see if we can get as much money as we possibly can. This is an opportunity. It's an invitation. But there is no obligation on anybody to join in. Israel, they didn't have to give, but as you heard, they did. They gave their best. They gave abundantly. Why? Because their hearts were stirred and their spirits were moved. Essentially, quite simply, they believed what it was that they were giving to. God moved in them. He got hold of their hearts. He stirred them to faith to a point where they thought, I want to give. I think it's worth remembering at this point, you might have a study Bible. It's got elaborate pictures of the tabernacle in or whatever. I think it's worth remembering for us, however many times they heard of it, it would have been almost impossible for them to picture what is this thing actually going to look like? They didn't have beautiful 3D CAD drawings of this tabernacle that's coming up. They didn't have architectural renderings of it with those fake people that they place in when you're looking at city center redevelopment or whatever. They had no idea what this whole thing was going to look like. But probably more significantly, they didn't have any idea when it arrives, what does it actually mean for us? How is this going to impact our day-to-day -day lives? What is this, how is this going to benefit me personally? But I imagine one phrase that grabbed their hearts as Moses was passing on to them exactly what this project is all about comes in chapter 25, which is very much a parallel to the passage we were looking at, in verse 8, where God says to Moses to pass on to the people, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And I imagine the people of God heard that and thought, I've no idea what that really means. God dwelling in our midst sounds both wonderful and totally terrifying, 
all at once. I do not get all of the implications. I don't quite know why God needs a tent, to be honest. But there is something about that idea, something about the prospect, something about what lies ahead that grabs my heart and moves my spirit that gave them the faith to just say, you know what, I'm in. I'm in. It sounds good. I want to be part of this. And they couldn't hand over their tanned goat skins quick enough to be part of it. God is not looking and he's not interested in trying to shake us down for as much money as he possibly can as a church family and as individuals. He wants to stir our hearts and he wants to move our spirits to give us faith for what is next, faith for where he's taking us and what he has been doing. And as we too hear the voice of God and what he's got next for us in our story, we too, just like the nation of Israel, hear him speaking to us about investing in a tent. And I think he's giving us this imagery to help us see the picture that he is painting with us and for us as a family, to draw us into this image and this narrative of he is looking to stretch us out. He's looking to spread us abroad to the left and the right across the city of Manchester. It's metaphorical imagery. It's a picture for us to kind of live in. But it doesn't give all the details. But if you were to say, but Duncan, tell me what that exactly is going to look like. So I, I know what we are talking about completely. I can't give you all of the answers. It's, it's uncharted waters that we're about to sail into. He's taking us into new territory. We haven't been this way before. And to be honest, it's kind of come about quicker than we expected it would. It's what makes it truly a step of faith for us together. And I believe he's given us this fairly big, expansive picture and vision to be living in with a vast number of possibilities about what it might actually mean to start to excite our imaginations, to start to get us to think, oh, who might this mean that we might reach next? Or where in the city might we have an impact as we go on together? Or which of the darkest, hardest areas of the city is God going to give us particular favor in being able to reach into? I think he's given us this, this picture to allow us to sort of live in the scenery of it, start to see the possibilities, and think what it might mean for us, what it might mean for the city, that he might then give us each faith in different ways to think, I think God's in this. I think he's with us. I believe in where he's taking us. Don't know the details, but I'm in. And what we see in this response of God's people is they allowed themselves to be moved by God. They allowed God to stir their hearts and for God to be at work in them. Now, I know from personal experience just how easy it is to prevent God from actually being able to properly move your heart. I have made a lot of mistakes in my own journey of giving money to the church. Um, don't have time to share all of them, but I can share one example of, well, a few times, I guess, when offerings of this sort of nature were coming up back when I lived in Nottingham. And I remember a few times essentially making a bit of a deal with God. I was like, God, I am going to give this much. And this much was often a very small, very nominal amount, enough to make me feel like I was at least giving something without really challenging me or stretching me. 
And I kind of knew that, but I said to, said to God, look, God, I'm going to give this much. But, God, if you want me to give more, then just give me a sign. But, of course, it has to be a proper sign. I need to know it's you. So maybe, I don't know, the next car that drives past, just perhaps if it says spray painted on the side, Duncan, give a bit more money, then I'll be in. Or perhaps, I don't know, just a flying pig squadron in the sky spelling out the number you'd like me to give. I'd give then. But God, if you don't give me a sign, then I will just assume that you don't want me to give more. And I will take that as your voice. And I'll be able to say, great, God has spoken. Don't have to give any more. Just give this much. And you can probably imagine that even if he had given me a sign, I probably would have found some great loophole in my reasoning for why I didn't then have to give that money. I was, wasn't really opening up my heart to God. I was essentially giving God the most narrow and specific parameters in which he had to work so that I could convince myself that I was opening up my heart. But really what was going on is I completely made up my own mind and decided I am not going to be giving any more in this offering. There is always a thousand and one reasons for us to not give at all, not give much to an offering. In fact, there is always a thousand and ones, actually pretty good, compelling reasons that we convince ourselves are very, very right reasons to not give. And this is why we need, we need the Spirit's help. But we just can't, we won't arrive on a good place if we just trust in our own reasoning and thinking. These people, the Israelites, they looked at their pile of purple yarn and fine twined linen and they weren't close to God at all. They knew they didn't have to give, but yet, as they looked at it, they didn't just take a quick and easy decision and think, oh, I'll just give a little bit, just to make myself feel better. They looked at what they had, they opened themselves up to God and said, God, how do you want me to give? How are you leading me? Give me the faith that I need to give. That is a scary prayer to pray. As well as all of my mistakes, I do also remember the first time that I properly prayed that prayer. That I properly opened myself up to God and said, God, would you lead me? Would you show me the amount you want to give? Or would you just give me proper faith to give and make a good decision on it? And I remember him in that moment, he gave me a, a certain amount to give. And that amount was much more than I had ever given to any kind of offering. And as he led me into it and the, started to stir my heart, I found myself thinking, this is scary, but I actually want to give. I've got a, a desire to give this money. I'm excited. I've got faith for it. I am absolutely terrified. I came so close to adjusting that number down by a significant factor. <laughs> or by just not giving at all. But at the same time, I knew God was at work in me. He was inviting me into this. That in a sense, then that was the only thing that I wanted to do with this money because there was something exhilarating about it, something adventurous, something of God is asking me to do this and he is giving me the faith to step out and do it. And so as it comes to our offering as a church, I just want to simply invite you to pray this kind of prayer. To just open yourself up to God as honestly as you can and say, 
God, what would you have me give? Because it might be that you have come to quite a quick decision of what you might give or what you might not give. Or maybe you've just, as it might be your first time in something like this and just thinking, I have no idea to even start to think, how do I approach an offering? I just think praying along these sorts of lines. God, I know what I have. God, you know what I have. What do you want me to give? I'm here. Will you try and, will you stir my heart and just see what he does? I know it is hard and I know it's scary and I know it's incredibly countercultural for us to invest in anything else other than project self in this moment in time. This is why we have to be quite intentional and honest with ourselves. It's through bold and courageous and open prayers like this that he moves us into the place of genuine faith, of I am ready to give. It means that you don't have to try and convince yourself. Nor do you have to rely on me to try and hype us all up to give. No, God will do it. If you pray, submit yourself before him, he'll do it. And look what can happen as a people together allow God to move in them. Chapter 36 from verse 3. Moses called, oh no, sorry, I'm slightly a bit early. They received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each of them from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. The people of Israel, they know they don't have to give a thing. They don't even have to give one signet ring if they don't want to. But they have allowed themselves to be caught up in this mission, this journey that God's taking them on. And they couldn't help themselves from giving. They still kept bringing them free will offerings every morning. It's like they're turning up. It's like, we know we don't have to give. Here we are again. It just got out of hand. Moses has to step in and the people were restrained from bringing (laughs) Could you imagine that? No, just stop it. All of you, go home. You are not to give any more. This is what happens when a people allow themselves, open themselves up to God and together respond in faith. Each of them responded out of what they had, each of them bringing very, very different amounts, but together responding in faith. Each end up giving with so much generosity. And they end up with, verse 5, much more than enough. Wouldn't that be a story for us to tell if we just ended up, as we embark on something that seems quite adventurous, we just end up with much more than enough. But actually, what is going on here, I think, is more than just the giving of wealth and the amount they end up with. As they fall over themselves to give, I think what we see here in action is devotion. That as they gave to this project, just something happened within them to make them want to keep giving and giving and giving. That it just lit a fire within them of their commitment and their devotion to their God. 
And this, I think, from my perspective, this is what I'd love to see happen in us as a family, that it would go way beyond the amount that we're able to raise and that the impact of this offering wouldn't just be the amount that ends up in our bank account. Because like the people of Israel, we are taking up this offering in order to raise the resources to build. We, it is time for us to add to our staff team, expand our core capacity, be able to step more into the opportunity to serve this church and to reach our city. We want to be able to start more ministries. We want to be able to host more alpha courses. We want to be able to do things like leadership development programs and things like it to invest in us growing as disciples. We want to do more for this building. We want to, now we're using the whole hall, have some more signage up and make it feel a bit more like home. Also want to have some more signage outside because I get a lot of people say, I didn't quite know which building to come to. We want to be able to serve those. those are the, these things are important. They will strengthen us. It's time for us to invest in those things like the people invested here in the tabernacle. But I think also we can expect something like we see here. That as we give, as we step out in faith together, something like this might happen. That a spark would be lit within us. That maybe it then doesn't look like, well, we just all keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. Maybe. But the commitment and the, the passion, the desire for our God would be sparked. Because he is a God that we read in verse 5 of much more than enough. Remember the tabernacle, it's entirely his endeavor. He was the God who planned it. It was his offering. He was the one that gave the people all that they needed in the first place. He then moved in their hearts. He led them to give. He made sure they had much more than enough. And this is the truth that we can stand on as we come to give. That as a family, as we go forward together, he will make sure that in everything he is leading us into, everything ahead, we will have much more than enough. That individually, as we think about what am I going to give, and maybe he leads you to give something, it feels like I'm giving away my greatest treasure. We can have confidence that he is going to provide into our lives much more than enough. And we can have this confidence because 2,000 years ago, on a Roman cross, he gave all of himself so that forever and always, in the person of Christ Jesus given to us, he himself would always be to us much more than enough. Heaven has no more to give.